Hello, happy holidays, and welcome everyone to the Riverfront Red Show. This is episode number 515 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally when the anniversary hits just right. Matt Kemp. I'm your host, Nate Dawson, and with me this week are a pair of sophisticates, some faces you might recognize. People I am pumped to talk some Reds baseball with today. First up, Chad Dodson. Chad, how are you? Buddy, I could not be better. I'm here with uh, you know, my favorite brother and uh, my favorite fellow podcaster. What a way to spend a night here. I love it. Yeah, this is great. Chad and I actually haven't done a podcast together in I think over a month. So this is this is a it's rare a treat on the riverfront. But as excited as I am to talk to Chad, I'm even more excited for our other guest. You know him, you love him. It's Jeff Carr, co-host of Locked On Reds, writer for Inside the Reds, man of all the talents, all the hats, and we are so lucky to have you on today. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? I appreciate getting to be on the podcast with you guys. And Chad, coming back just for me, I appreciate No, I'm kidding. I know it's I know it's for Nate, and I happen to be around, so that's good. <laughs> he had told no, me I, no. I was hoping Nate wouldn't be here. <laughs> I was hoping it was just me and Jeff, but Nate decided he wanted to, you know, butt into our fun. But that's okay. It is not too late to make that happen. We can make that dream come true. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go any further, please head on over to YouTube.com/slash Riverfront Cincy. Give us a uh, give us a subscribe. Um, go to your favorite podcast app, likes, follows, whatever they ask you to do. It's what really helps this show grow, and we sure appreciate it. Um, also, head on over to the Locked On Reds. YouTube channel, all their podcasts, give them likes, where Jeff and Steve Offenbaker are doing amazing stuff every single day they're coming at you. Sometimes they're wearing Hawaiian shirts. You can't go wrong. Always a good time. Um, and one last thing, this show would literally not be possible without the uh, support from our friends over at patreon.com slash riverfrontcincy. If you want to go a little bit deeper, help keep this ship afloat, maybe get a couple rewards in the meantime. Why not join us, hang out, just go to patreon.com slash or click the link in the show notes. All right, fellas. Well, we're here to talk Reds, so I guess we got to. But before we go specifically on our beloved Red Legs, Major League Baseball today decided to drop a little news in our laps. Um, they decided they want to just change the game some more. I don't know if you saw this or got to read too much into it. They are introducing some more rules changes. Um I, by and large, supported everything they did last year. Pitch clock, bigger bases, um, the shift rules. For me, it just led to a uh, a more watchable brand of baseball. They decided to double down a little bit. So they have, what are what, what we looking at here? Decreased the pitch clock with runners on base by two more seconds. They have increased the lane with which you can run to first base. They have decreased the amount of mound visits by one. And maybe something else. Um, Jeff, we'll start with you. What do you think about well, – first off, what do you think about the rule changes last season, how they played out, and these new ones as they're going to affect the game going forward? I was I was largely in favor of the pitch clock. I really liked what it brought to the game. Felt like it kind of sped things up. I wasn't necessarily in the camp that I thought that the game was too slow because I have been a baseball homer my entire life. You could give me a seven-hour baseball game, and I'd be very happy with that. But – I, I also get it when you're trying to grow the game. The interesting thing to me was in these rule changes, and you mentioned there was something else. The something else is the thing that really, like, I don't, I don't know that it's stuck in my craw, but I'm very confused by it. The If a pitcher begins to warm up before the inning, he must face at least one batter yeah. that next inning. And uh, Steve and I were discussing this on our, you mentioned the, the Hawaiian shirts on our Aloha live edition of the podcast on Thursday. And I, I don't understand. Does that mean that loogies are back or does that now mean that you're forced to throw somebody the next inning? If you're warming him up while your team is hitting there, there's lots of weird clarifications that need to be had in there. But for once, I actually ag agreed with something that Tony Clark said and Tony Clark in so many words basically said, this was a solution in search of a problem. Like none of these make any sense. Yeah. I just sort of glanced over that little paragraph on the ESPN.com article and was confused by it. I'm still confused by it. And I imagine that uh, we'll get some clarification sometime in the future, but 
I don't know. I just kind of feel like that they they took a swing last year. It worked, and now they're doubling down for no reason. They're just trying to trying to stack up little mini wins. And I know there's plenty of concerns about pitchers' arm health. Was there an increase in injuries last year? Um, I guess time will the data will tell over time on that. But Chad, what do you think about these new changes? Well, a couple of things that kind of kind of touch on what Jeff was was saying. First of all. Uh, it's interesting to note that uh, Jeff mentioned Tony Clark. Tony Clark, of course, uh, a former big league ball player. He's the, 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 the head of the MLB Players Association right now. And um, what is interesting about uh, all these changes is uh, on this competition committee, all the players voted against these rule changes. So I, th- I think that's interesting to, to note, uh, first of all. Um, the question of whether Lugies are back, Lugies lefty one out guys. Um, it sort of seems like that's what they're saying that you, that we can now, you can bring a guy in and he can, uh, he can pitch to one batter. Um, I, I I'm torn on all these changes, frankly, I, I feel like I should be against them. Just like I feel like I should have been against the ones last year because I, I, I do consider myself a traditionalist. I love baseball. I don't mind long baseball games. I like watching baseball. You know, it's baseball's fun. Um, it's never bothered me that uh, it, when games go long. Um, I'll say this, that, I, you know, uh, I think that last year's rule changes really improved the television product. I mean, like big time. Yes. But I was at a game last uh, last April or May. I was in Kansas City at a game of all places. The, the Royals versus the Texas Rangers. And... Uh, we're an hour and 45 minutes in and the ninth inning was starting and I'm sitting there, you know, I, you, you have a beverage, you have a dog and you're like, wait a minute. I, I haven't gotten my money's worth here. This game's flown by and I like hanging out of the ball yard. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, ultimately, I think that the, uh, I, I'm okay with any of these rule changes. I don't like the the idea that, that Jeff said that uh, maybe, maybe Lugies can come back, but, uh, in general, I think it's a good thing that baseball is trying to uh, improve the product. Uh, this is something National Football League has done for years. They uh, they try to improve their product, and that's the reason why they have. Oh, it's not the reason, but it's a reason why they have become the dominant sport in America. I don't think it's a bad thing that the, that, that that Major League Baseball is trying to improve the the product. It's an entertainment product. It should be entertaining, and they should take into account what fans want the fans want a quicker game but um I, I don't love the fact that i'm in favor of most of these if that makes any <laughs> sense i'm 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 told you know you said you said you saw a royals rangers game you know what the rangers were most known for in 2023 right the winning the world series no being swept by the cincinnati reds that's right oh thank you first thing <laughs> on the 2023 texas rangers wikipedia entry yeah, <laughs> I think y'all are spot on. Um, I, I tend to feel about a lot of these changes. I used to be hardcore purists, just like the, I want the, the game that I fell in love with and stayed in love with her forever to stay the same forever. As I've gotten a little bit older, you know, uh, the expanded wild card, I can see why a lot of people would be against it. But as a Reds fan, it gave it gives my favorite team a better chance <laughs> of making the playoffs, which they've only done six times in my entire lifetime. So I wrap my head around that. The pitch clock. I like to go to bed before 11 o'clock. It allows me to watch all nine innings of a baseball game more often than not. So I was for it. What I have a problem with is the MLB taking that giant leap. It's succeeding by and large. I I know very few people that were against it by the end of the year. Even the the, the most vociferous opponents were at least willing to tolerate it by the end of the year. But nobody needed... And I want to read directly from uh, from the literature here. During pitching changes, if the clock is under two minutes as the reliever exits the bullpen and onto the warning track, it will reset back to two minutes rather than two fifteen as it did last year. Nobody's asking for that. Yeah, were you sitting around the bar with your buddies? Be like, man, sure wish they'd reset that clock about fifteen seconds sooner when the pitcher's <laughs> on the warning track. No. The thing that got me too is that one of the reasons that they they because they knocked down the 18 seconds with runners on base from 
20 seconds last year. They said, well, between April and September, the average game time increased by seven minutes. I was like, oh, man, those seven minutes. I really need those back. Really need those seven minutes back. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. So as with all things, we'll see. We'll probably forget about them, you know, come late July and August. But in the meantime, we haven't had much to talk about on the free agency front in the last couple of weeks, so we're going to complain about Rob Manfred. I'm speaking of not having much to uh, to talk about. It's been a slow couple news weeks. Um, let's just go through real quick. And since I haven't got to speak to either of you about this, um, Jeff, we'll start with you. Your quick thoughts on the Reds offseason thus far. Um, I'm I I think I'm satisfied. I'm content. Um, I don't know that I'm excited. I don't know that I'm ecstatic. And I really like to look at it from the most optimistic point of view. The additions that they made have been nice, but the things that they really need to fix, the needs, the the shopping list, if you will, still has plenty of items on it. They definitely need another starting pitcher. I'd like another bullpen arm. And then, honestly, if they can sign a guy, and most likely a right-handed outfielder, that then pushes Jose Barrero off of the bench of this roster on opening Whoa. day, Whoa. then I think that we're we're talking about an ecstatic offseason. Yes, I know, I know, I know what you just said. You know, we're we're gonna go two or two former top prospects that get pushed off the roster in one year. But I, I we just, invite you on this show <laughs> as friends. I, I and you come in and you start disparaging my guy Jose Barrero. <laughs> It's got all the upside in the world, but um, no, I just, I don't necessarily think that's the biggest need. Definitely need another starting pitcher, but overall, I think I'm satisfied slash content, but not excited about how the offseason has gone so far. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Um, they have every move they've made. Well, for the most part has addressed certain needs, but they haven't addressed the two biggest needs. You know, that the fan base understands as a consensus, a, a top-tier starting pitcher and a right-handed outfield bat with some pop. Um, there's still time, so we'll see. It's been a slow offseason for almost every team, um, and we're hoping for some more dominoes to fall. But, Chad, we haven't got to talk about it yet. So what are your thoughts on the moves the Reds have made so far? Meh. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not happy, but I'm not happy um, because they need, they need big moves. They need to take a big swing and uh, to really improve the team. And they haven't done it yet. Now, are, are they going to do it before opening day? Maybe. I mean, I'm not, you know, there's a long time still left in this offseason. So am I considering this offseason a failure? No. But uh, what they've done so far, it moves the needle a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with this, the the moves they've made. I think the bullpen's better. And that's a that's a good thing, right? And so, um, I, but I just, until they do something big, and they need to do at least one thing big in my mind. And and, and that's going to be got to be in the rotation to me. And until they do that, I'm going to be like, well, okay. They made some minor moves to improve the team. And let's not discount the fact that this team is better today than they were at the end of the season. That's a that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Everyone else in the division is, is getting better too. Some teams are getting significantly better. So uh, the, the Reds need to do more. But uh, so I'm not happy. I'm not. I'm not upset, but I'm not happy either because uh, there's more to do. If this is all there is, then it's it's a disaster. Um, but there's plenty of time, so yeah, there's no reason to get upset or worried yet. Um, but but there's work to do. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more. It's. I said this the other day. I, f- I feel like that the the red ceiling, their likelihood of winning the World Series, has not gotten a lot better this off season. But they've certainly raised their floor. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. That's a that's a fair. Like I feel like this Third roster week. has five hundred or better all over it. Whereas I mean, how do we feel going into last season? <laughs> and let's not forget yeah. five hundred is a pretty good historical record for Cincinnati Reds. And mm. something that's crazy about that too, like have you seen the projection systems? The same ones that said last year, yeah, they could probably win about you know sixty nine, seventy three games, something like that. And now this year they're like, yeah, they probably win about sixty seven to like seventy games. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They didn't get worse. They they haven't gotten exponentially better, but they 
definitely didn't get worse. I, I, I don't, I don't really understand that, but I also like the fact that we've seen the Brewers kind of take a step back. The mm-hmm. Cubs have really, they really went hard on Shohei Otani and they missed. So now they're trying to kind of reassess and yes, the Cardinals did get better, but they got better from being the worst team in the division. So I don't know that I'm super worried about them just yet. I think history has told us that we should worry about the Cardinals, but the, you know, last year should tell us that there's something different about this iteration of how they're running their organization. So I, I I think that the Reds are starting from a much higher point. And that baseline, like you said, that the, the floor is much higher than it has been in years past. Yeah. My concern is that much like the trade deadline, the Reds make in that case, one move, early on and we think it's it's there's gonna be more to come and then this offseason they make a couple nice plays early on and if there's nothing else i mean i'm not gonna have any less enthusiasm for the season but it's gonna be disappointing if they don't uh, address a couple glaring glaring needs but speaking of that um we're gonna let one of our patreon members jump the gun here and ask a question to get us into our next topic uh joey gaditza says cheers guys give me one name you want to see in a reds uni via trade or free agency he also says, Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Merry Christmas to you too, Joey. Um, I don't know if y'all have put any thought into this. Is there a specific name in mind that you would just love to see more than anybody else in a red uniform next year? Tyler Glasnow, is he still available? I don't know what the rules are in trading for a guy that just got traded for. Can can, can you double trade? I think That's you- the guy I wanted. I, the, the Reds need a starter. This is my this is my opinion. They need a starter. So who who else is, is there? Shane Bieber, I guess. I'm I'm okay. I'm you know he's he he moves the needle. He's he my guy. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I mean you know uh, who 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 else is out? Well, it's hard to say who's out there in terms of trade because everybody's available in trade. So maybe the Reds should offer up. Um, I don't know, like uh, Barrero. Sorry, Nate Jose Barrero and. Uh, and maybe Edwin Arroyo for Shohei Otani. The Dodgers might be willing to trade him, right? That's the guy I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess Bieber is the guy at this point, Shane Bieber, because I think the, I really do think the Reds need another star. I don't think they need two starters, but at the very least, they need one guy that's uh, plausibly near the top of the rotation. And it sounds like Cleveland is wanting to package Bieber with Emmanuel Class A, so getting another fiery arm in the back end of the bullpen – it's obviously going to cost a lot more, but I, I'm for it. I'm all for it. Jeff, you said Bieber's your guy. Do you have any somebody else in mind? I think, um, I, I think Bieber's the biggest, just because, and maybe Dylan Cease, but obviously two very different costs as far as trades go. But if you add in Emmanuel Class A, then I think that trade is actually more expensive. Um, but I, I, I honestly think that. When Nick Crawl's looking at these trades, he's looking at at teams that are only looking for minor league options. There were some folks that were asking about, you know, Framber Valdez or, uh, you know, the Mariners uh, possibly trading Bryce Miller or something like that. Both those teams are looking for major league talent right now because they're in the same boat as the Reds. They're contenders. They're trying to win. And I don't necessarily think that Nick Crawl is trying to pull that trigger right now. I think that he's like, all right, Arroyo. Uh, Chase Petty, you know, who we talking about in the minor leagues. I don't think even with the addition of Jamer Candelario that he's looking to trade Marte, CES, even really Jonathan India, although I don't think Jonathan India really gets the job done for either Bieber or, you know, uh, Dylan Cease. Yeah, I agree. Chad, you have something? I had a point, one point, and you don't have to trust me on this. I have a source that's unimpeachable. I've mentioned it here before, but I just I, I'm reminded that the Reds could have had Shane Bieber, you know, five years ago, in exchange for Billy Hamilton. I and, and it was it was nixed by Bob Castellini because Billy was popular. And look, I'm to blame maybe there because Billy was popular with me. He's my favorite player. So but they could have had fact. Shane Bieber, and they could have had JT Real Muto if they would have parted with Billy Hamilton and Nick Senzel. Oh boy. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the river. <laughs> Happy Christmas to all. Happy Christmas. People this wonder why is, the, yeah. this this team is in the very best of hands. 
historically, uh, you know, we don't we don't have a lot that inspires faith. I am choosing to be optimistic. I have liked most of the moves that have happened over the past, you know, two two and a half years. At least in hindsight, Chad has changed hats. He's now gone neutral. Jesus, <laughs> I'm upset. So I had to get rid of the red hat. Well, and I, I think too, I don't know. Like, I just feel like the evidence that we've seen the last couple of years is that they've at least let Nick crawl drive. Like, I felt like in yeah. years past, it was all right, Dick Williams is here, but also Bob's got his hands on the wheel too. Mm-hmm. Or, That's fair. you know, That's fair. or things like that. I feel like they've let go of the wheel. Now, you know, what's that mean money wise and stuff? That, that can be definitely debated. But I feel like Nick crawl's at least in control of the ship. Yeah, they're they're letting Nick cook a little bit, and yeah. it's 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 been good to watch so far. Now we've said it plenty of times on this show. He's got at least one more move to make. He has proven that he can acquire good young talent. Um, I personally like the Candelario signing. It's confusing to an extent, but I'm I'm, I'm for it. Uh, you y'all had a great episode on Locked On recently about what it does with that lineup. I was on uh, Sports with Strawberry Ice a couple of days ago, and I was saying I think it David Bell proofs the lineup. He can do all the David Belling he wants to mid-game, but you're going to like the guy that he David Bells with. Like instead of Kevin Newman, Kevin Newman. <laughs> pitch hitting in the fifth and getting through more bats, it's going to be Jake Fraley. It's going to be <sighs> um, Candelario and, and Jonathan India. So I like what Nick Kroll has done, but he needs to do a little more. Uh, my guy, by the way, Jeff, you touched on it, and I don't know how it makes sense unless the Reds just went nuts with a prospect package. That was too good for them to say no to. But Framber Valdez, there's been mm. some rumblings out of Houston that they would, they're not actively shopping him, but they are listening to offers. And if there's something the Reds could do to get him, I think he answers all of their problems. He's durable, two years of team control. He's had almost uh, 399 innings pitch over the last two seasons, 3.13 ERA over those three. And, you know, the guy's been in the league five years and he's gotten Cy Young votes in three of them. Like, that's if. If, there, if there's a package that makes sense for that guy, go out and get it. But why would they shop their best pitcher? This is not a uh, sabermetric that anybody's really looking for, but I've had Framber Valdez on my fantasy team like the last three years. So I really, really like Framber Valdez. If they traded for him, I'd buy his jersey tomorrow. He's an awesome yeah. dude. So I'd, I'd love that, but I definitely think that like – if the Astros are looking for a trade package, they're looking for two or three guys, and probably two thirds of that trade is for major league ball players. Like they're not. I don't think that the the brewer like I don't the Brewers are kind of trying to sort of do a soft reset right now. I don't think the Astros are even considering that right now. Yeah, they were a couple games out of the World Series last year. I mean, they yeah. they're close, but it's the off season, and we're here to hope. And that's all we can do right now. But while we're doing that, let's get to the very, very little bit of Reds news. Um, first off, the Reds traded TJ Hopkins to San Francisco. Um, I don't have a ton of TJ Hopkins thoughts. He absolutely raked in AAA for Louisville. Didn't do much in his brief cup of coffee in the bigs. Didn't get a lot of opportunity to. But um, he's gone off to greener pastures, I guess. Jeff, what are your TJ Hopkins thoughts? Solid pinch runner. Um, pretty good defensive replacement. I don't know. I, I just I kind of felt like TJ Hopkins and Stuart Fairchild, and there, there were a number of guys that you could group together in this like group of outfielders that it's like, all right, we'll throw them out there because everyone else is hurt or because we don't really know what's going on here. It's just I'm glad to see that the Reds feel like they can move on from some of these guys. And Stuart Fairchild is not on the 26-man roster, I don't think. I know he's still on the 40-man. Um but I know that he's not on the 26 man. And so the fact that they feel like they can move on from guys like this is encouraging. Uh, I just, I kind of felt like that three, that slash line of, and I forget the numbers after the 300, but it was 300, 400, 500 there in AAA was very enticing. We just never really got the chance to see it in the majors. And I don't know that there would have been an opportunity for him to show it. Chad, any uh, T.J. Hopkins thoughts? No thoughts. He's a perfectly perfectly acceptable fifth outfielder, you know, triple-A, MLB guy. He, I mean, he, he, he improves some team at the margins, but it's just marginal. Um, I wish him the best. I think he uh, – I uh, hope he gets gets a shot to be on the big league roster for a while, but 
the Reds are not worse today because they don't have T.G. Hopkins. There are, uh, you know, 150 guys like him. Yeah, the only other thing I'll note on T.G. Hopkins is that they traded him for cash considerations or a player to be named later. Um, for all of the Nick Crawl truthers out there, the last notable player to be named later that I'm thinking of was a young fella named Connor Phillips, who we're pretty big fans of around here. He got he was a, a player to be named later in the trade that uh, got rid of Jesse Winker and Gino Suarez. So there might be some crawl magic there. I'd rather do that than just get some cash because I don't care about Castellini cash. Um, another move that got announced today, the Reds signed Brooke Krisky to a minor league deal. Other than having to get on baseball reference to look up how to pronounce his last name, I have no thoughts at all on this gentleman. Um, Jeff, what do you know about – what was his name again? Krisky. Brooke. If we're going to really dive deep into the analysis, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you need arms in spring training. That's who this is. Yeah. Minor league, Minor league contract. Invitation to spring training. It's the thing we've seen. That this is what the Reds lean into most years. Yeah. It's not bad. To, it's not bad to have depth no, in the know. bullpen. You're going to need, you're gonna need these guys, but uh, we've already mentioned him more than we should have. <laughs> yeah, every team's making these signings throughout the offseason. We can just be happy that these aren't the only signings that the Reds are making this year. The last two years, these are the only things we had to talk about. So this is a little bit better. Um, they also hey, hey, and waiver wire additions. Don't forget those. Oh, oh, oh. Still time. <laughs> um, also, the Reds signed Hernan Perez to a minor league contract. This one kind of snuck in across my feed over the last couple hours. He played some baseball for some organizations over previous seasons and will probably continue to do that for a couple more. That is the extent of my analysis on Hernan Perez. Can we say, though, that, look, the, these are the things that you do. You, you got to get some depth, whatever. But every time I hear a new name come across the uh, the wire here, I'm, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You need depth. You need to make these – every team makes these deals, but – I just want a real acquisition that moves the needle. Is that right. so wrong? Just get a, no, I, a I, guy. I agree. We need yeah, a guy, guy. We need somebody to do. I mean, Jeff, you did your emergency podcast for Jamer Candelario, and that warranted one. We wanted to do one, couldn't put it together. I want one that every Reds podcaster and radio media personality Stops what they're doing immediately because they have to get on and talk about it. I want the move that like someone creates a podcast because they make that move. Like that, I want I want to hear that like in like two or three years. Like man, the Reds they got Blake Snell, and I made this podcast. <laughs> whenever they, you know, I mean that'd be a pipe dream, but still, like that that would be that'd be a lot of fun. Like, yeah, Jammer Candelaria got the whole, you know, welcome wagon with the red carpet and all that stuff. And you got pictures of him wearing his new uniform at great American and things like that. But yeah, if that's our biggest get this off season, I think I'm kind of with Chad. It's like, I think, you know, you, you got to feel like there should have been more done. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you heard it here first. Jeff wants something flashy like that. He wants the Reds to trade for Draymond green. Draymond, yeah, there we go. There we go. Get us, get us a villain. I, I'd love to root for a villain. Man. Draymond starts a red <laughs> podcast. Next thing you know, twenty-four hour news cycle. I love it. Um, this next bit isn't news, but Jonathan India, the trade rumor mill just keeps on a churning. Um, I think I have officially gone to uh, team keep India around. Um, if he's willing to bounce around the field, whether he's good or bad at defense, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. But if he's that guy coming off the bench instead of Kevin Newman. I'm for it, unless, of course, he can't be packaged for somebody real. Any any thoughts on the Jonathan India saga so far? Chad, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, I just I don't care. That's a weird thing to say about a guy that was a rookie of the year a couple years ago was no question a leader of the team last year in this resurgent season, but he's an average player. Uh, he's not a bad player. He's not a particularly good player. He's uh, a somewhat above average hitter. He is a somewhat below average defender. Is it? Can you really move him to the outfield? Think he's going to help? Does he hit enough for that? I, I think he helps this team if you have him. 
I think if you keep him around, he can help this team. He's not a bad player. The flip side is I'm not sure what you can get for him in trade because of that. So the the most value he may have may be for the Reds as a guy that bounces around and provides not terrible play at, you know, three or four positions. So I just I can't get excited either way. I know a lot of people are are outraged at the idea that he might be traded. I put up a uh, a poll on our uh, on our Riverfront uh, Twitter feed. Uh, who do you think is going to be better for the next three years, uh, Jonathan India or Jamer Candelario? And India was b- by far the uh, the winner of that poll. And I think that's silly. I mean, I think yeah. Candelario. I mean, just uh, and I like. I don't dislike Jonathan India. I like him a lot. His I would give anything to have his hair, but um, <laughs> I just. I can't get excited either way about trading him, keeping him. I can't get fired up. It's just it's six and one, half dozen of the other. Sure. Jeff, any thoughts? I I feel like, I don't know, if I'm an opposing GM, and we did this exercise, Steve and I, where it's like, all right, Nick Kroll's calling somebody, talking about Jonathan India. They're like, all right, so second base. He doesn't play defensively very well there. Where can we move him to? Well, third base, he doesn't have enough power there outfield is his arm really gonna handle that shortstop he doesn't have enough range first base maybe but if you're talking about a first base dh which again he doesn't hit for enough power there like that's kind of a tough thing so really i think the reds are betting on a bounce back and i looked at the numbers and the the babip was a lot lower compared to this batting average on balls and play was a lot lower compared to his rookie of the year campaign so if he bounces back and we're talking in July about a guy who's hitting, I don't know, 280 and, you know, slugging 450, 460, maybe there's a little bit more appetite to trade for somebody like that. And then the Reds can get something they need or they just continue to roll with him for whatever reason. I think that the most value, and I agree with Chad, is to the Reds on the field and not in a trade. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really good point. You'd be selling low on him right now. If he goes up and he's healthy for the first three months of the season, he might play a little bit better defense. Whenever he's been healthy, he's hit. He's been a good hitter when he's been healthy. The guy will just play through every single injury that that pops up. So maybe you wait until close to the deadline and see if there's a fit there, or you like where he, the way your team looks because you're winning and you hang on to him. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. I'm sure that the rumors are going to keep flying around, and if there's something ever happens – Somebody on this screen will be amongst the first to tell you all about it. Yeah. Especially if you come to our YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move into our topic of the week. We, um, we knew that since there wasn't a ton to get into on the news front that we wanted to spice it up, bring some optimism, squint a little bit and look at how things might go right. So we are going to come at you with three each increasingly bold predictions for the 2024 season. I wish we had like a real producer so I could insert some music right there. All we've got is like Olivia Newton-John and Ron Burgundy clips, which are great, but they don't fit right here. Tell me about it, stud. Kind of works. <laughs> okay, I stand corrected. <laughs> this is perfect. Um, we'll just go around, uh, around Robin here, and everybody throws out one, and explains it as much as they feel like it and then we'll just we'll keep moving but good vibes only this is the uh the gino suarez annual good vibes only bull predictions episode all right i'll start off um my first bull prediction is that the 2024 cincinnati reds are going to have four at least four players hit 30 plus home runs we have that's bold had a power outage in Cincinnati for several years now. I look back at the old Adam Dunn days when it just seemed like every every person in that lineup could hit one about 450. Well, it's been a while. But I'm looking up and down this roster right now, and I'm seeing Spencer Steer, who hit 23 last year. I mean, Tyler Stevenson has never come close, but would it would it shock me? I wouldn't be shocked. He's got the size. He's got the build for it. Yep. Ellie De La Cruz could hit 90. 
there's nothing he can do that would that would, that would shock me. Ninety, okay, yeah, it'd be a little bit surprising. But he had thirty, of course, he had thirteen last year. Um, going down, Will Benson, if he got regular playing time, that guy mashes. The, the obvious one, Christian Encarnacion Strand. I think that guy will hit thirty next year if he is even remotely healthy. I think he's got an easy thirty. And then we got Jamer Candelario, another guy who, if had he played half his games in Great American last year, would have hit 30 home runs. Then you throw in the Matt McClains and Jake Fraley's. I just think that there are enough dudes with enough enough pop that we could see some serious muscle from this lineup in 2024. So there's my, my number one. Any thoughts? You didn't mention Jonathan India. Yes. Have we seen this spray chart of Jamer Candelario like put over Great American? Like everybody does that whenever you sign a new hitter. Like I, I, I'd be interested to see how that goes because dude hits line drives like they're going out of style. Like that's his thing. Yeah, I saw something when the trade first broke that he last season with the way his home runs tracked or I guess his doubles too, he would have hit exactly thirty home runs last year if his home games had been at Great American. So here's hoping. All right, Chad, what's your number one bold prediction? My number one bold prediction this year, Andrew Abbott. Andrew Abbott will make the all-star team, the National League all-star team in 2024. Andrew Abbott, Andrew Abbott from the the University of Virginia Cavaliers uh, baseball program. Uh, what a what a rookie season! And uh, would it surprise anyone? These are supposed to be bold predictions, and I guess this is bold. But would it su- really surprise anyone if Andrew Abbott had a great first half and and made it onto the All Star team? That's that's my prediction. Uh, I'm going to say he does it. I would like to take this opportunity to apologize as someone had pointed out to me in the comments section. I did an episode the other day talking about Andrew Abbott and how he could see the forest for the trees coming into 2024. And I mentioned that he came from a university called UCLA. And I think I mixed him up with Matt McLean. Um, what? Totally. Yeah. 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 So I would like to what? you, Chad, the, for the foremost Virginia Cavalier that I know um, that I got that outrageous. From. It's between outrageous. The- Jeff Carr <laughs> between this and your Jose Barrero slander, that is strike two, my friend. Oh man, I'm just I'm about to disconnect. I think. I don't know. <laughs> well, you can redeem yourself with um, your first bull prediction of the night, Chad. I love that one. I can absolutely see it. I think I'm going to use the and, and I, I said this last year, so I'm going to up it. I'm not going to say the exact same number, but I'm going to up it by five. I said last year that Alexis Diaz would get 40 saves. I think this year. Is going to get 45 saves. Uh, dude just absolutely kills it in the ninth inning. And I think now with two years under his belt of, you know, pitching through the entire year, I think he gets it and he understands how to pitch late in the season now. And I think he's going to get, I think he entered August with either 29 or 30 saves. And I thought for sure my bold prediction was just going to be not bold at all and be almost like a, lukewarm prediction but he ended up with only 34 so i think that at the end of the day he's going to get 45 saves in 2024 can can i say this i feel like and maybe this is just vibes but i feel like some reds fans are kind of out on alexis diaz not out but not really uh in if that makes any sense because he you know he struggled at, at points during the second half especially Man, this is a great prediction. I, I, I'm just telling you, Alexis Diaz is—he's one of the greatest relievers the Reds have had in my lifetime. I really believe this. I, I love this guy. Uh, I don't know if we get 45. That's going to be uh, largely dependent on whether the Reds can can win a bunch of games. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised at all. This guy is the real deal. And if you are uh, sort of skeptical about him because he had some bad games. Uh, occasionally, uh, closers do that. Yep. I, I love this pick. I love this prediction. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great. I can see it based on the Reds winning more games in 2024, so more opportunities um, with Emilio Pagan and potentially Nick Martinez. Pitchers just being in better roles, I can see him getting less high stress innings. He doesn't have to come into the eighth quite as many times. Um, I can easily see this, and I think that 
you know, if, if something like that happens and he has a strong first half, you talk about Andrew Abbott being an all-star. Alexis Diaz has already been that guy. People already know him. Yep. We might be talking about how many all-stars the Reds have next year. And to to your point, Chad, about folks kind of being out on him, um, I'm going to quote the great Harvey Dent when I say you either get traded or you close long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> God. <laughs> right, I love was, it. I don't know why, well but I love it. That was pretty well done. <laughs> we'll give you credit for that one. I wish I had the clip up of when he's just in the nurse's garb and <laughs> my favorite thing in movie history. <laughs> All right, round two here. So my second bold prediction, and that's supposed to be increasingly bold. Um, I've got Noel de Marte winning rookie of the year. I, like I am so, so high on this guy. He ended the season on what a 15 game hitting streak. And this was a rookie, not even a rookie season because he's still eligible, obviously where I don't think the Reds had any desire to have him play in the big leagues last year. They just kind of needed him towards the end of the season. He got out of the gates a little bit slow, but then he took off and went scorched earth from there. The guy is an exit velocity machine. All he does is hit balls harder than almost anybody else, not named Ellie De La Cruz in baseball. Um, I think he his hitting streak continued into the winter leagues. I'm, I'm, I think it's still going. The guy might never go hitless again. And if that's the case, I bet he wins rookie of the year. 10 out Can of 10. I, no, no. I actually have some notes. Ooh. I don't think that's a particularly bold prediction. Mm. What about that? I mean, I think I, like that. I think that's I think that's legit. I mean, the guy's gonna be the opening day opening day starter at third base. He's gonna get every chance. He's legit. It is a bold prediction to say that anyone's going to win Rookie of the Year, but I, I, I think Nate's onto something here. This guy's got got some ability, and uh, this may be just off season. We're you know excited about how great he was in uh, in September, but I love this kid. Yeah, I am. I'm so excited about watching him in a Reds uniform for several years. I don't know when he became kind of that guy for me, but he's he's just he's more athletic than than you think he is. He's faster. He has a slick glove. I was so impressed with the way he carried himself in the short time last year. Cannot wait for a full season. Honestly, uh, his scouting report was very bat first. They they kind of yeah. thought, yeah, might, he might defend well enough to stick, and he might run well enough to stick, but he's going to hit. And it felt like he did all three of those things yeah. pretty well. Couldn't agree more. Chad, what's your number two? Oh, well, oh these God. were supposed <laughs> these were supposed to be uh, increasingly bold predictions. I may have let my uh, my desires, my dreams get in the way of this, and so here's my here's my bold prediction: before opening day, 2024, the Cincinnati Reds will sign Joey Votto to a one year contract. Let's go! Votto, Votto's coming back. Bring it on, baby! Woo! I would love that. And there's so many folks that are asking, like, why why haven't they considered that at all? Like, that, that that'd be a lot of fun. Be a lot of fun. That's that, that's the I mean, one signing we want, Nick Carl. Come on, that's all we've been asking about. Joey Votto comes back as a starting pitcher. <laughs> bring bring Votto back. Give him the send off he deserves. Have a full season of just we're we're celebrating an all time legend of this team. Mm-hmm. At this point, you're going to be able to get him for less than you would have had to pay him. I I don't know. I just how many players in our lifetimes have played their entire careers as Cincinnati Reds. You just, you got to make it happen. I don't want to see him wearing a Kansas City Chiefs jersey. I, you know, it's like Joe Montana. I, mm-hmm. He's I, I'm if he's wearing a, a jersey for, for another team, it's going to make me it's going to make me cry. So, I'm predicting it. I don't believe it necessarily, but I I want it. I love happen. it. I love it. Pump it into my veins. Is there going to be another career red? Like not the Pour water on anything, but I mean, there'll be a lot of career Reds, but that's because the Reds are the only team that gave him a chance to play in a major league game, and then they washed out forever. <laughs> <laughs> TJ Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two bold prediction. I'm gonna say the Reds were close. TJ Friedel almost had it last year. They're gonna have not one but two 2020 guys 
in Ooh. 2024. 20 homers, 20 steals. And I think that, you know, to play off Noel V. Marte, I think Noel V. Marte is one of them for sure. And I think that Ellie De La Cruz is an easy one. They could, and this might be too bold for me, but they could flirt with three. I just don't know who that third person would be. Maybe it's TJ Friedel. He has surprised us at every juncture because mm-hmm. we we constantly have said, ah, it's nice that they called this guy up. Let's see what he's got. Probably not much. Oh, hey, he's interesting, but he can't be an everyday guy. No way he's a leadoff hitter. No way he's our everyday center fielder. And here we are. He's done all of those things. Yeah. So I, I, I think that there's definitely all the talent in the world with Marte and Ellie De La Cruz that, 2020 might be an undersell for those guys, but I just think that there's two guys on this roster like that. I mean, there's shoe-ins for 2020s for me, and I, I think that might not be that bold, but that's my second bold prediction. I like it. Uh, kind of like my 30 home run projection. There are multiple dudes that could do that. Spencer Steer hit 23 home runs last year, and he was only five stolen bases short. Not crazy to think he could tack that on. Um, if Will Benson gets enough playing time, he had 19 stolen bases. Last year, Matt McLean, full season. Like, I, th- I think you're on to something. And I think he was on Hot is- Stove League talking about he's working on uh, working with Caleb Cotham about that first step about how yeah. he can get a lot more speed initially on a stolen base to increase his success rate. So that that could be an easy one. Yeah, I think um, I think the reason I love that pick so much is that's what made this team so much fun last year. Is that they hit for more power than we expected, and they were menaces up and down the lineup on the path. So if they have multiple 2020 guys, that means we get more of that, and I am here for it. All right. Someone who, who has none, I respect all the speed. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got no power or speed. I don't know what I was built for, but it was not athletics. <laughs> All right, so my final bold prediction, and this is one that I'm pretty excited about, and I, if it comes true, then it changes the trajectory of this team, and I don't quite know how we're going to get there, but we'll talk it out amongst the three of us. I, My third bold prediction for the 2024 season is that the Cincinnati Reds are going to have not one, but two pitchers receive Cy Young votes. So the question is, which pitchers are those? Which leads to the other question, are both of those pitchers already on the roster? They could be. I can certainly see a world where Hunter Green puts some magic together and becomes that top flight sort of staff ace that we all know he has the potential to do. Um, I believe that we all agree that Nick Lodolo has the potential to do that, but I imagine he'll be on enough of an innings limit that it'll be tough for him to get that kind of consideration. I might be the world's biggest Graham Ashcraft fan outside of his family, uh, maybe even more than some of them. I heard he's got a crazy uncle. Um, Alexis Diaz, 45 saves. Could he get a Cy Young vote? I don't know. But what I really want to see is – what the guy, the signing, the trade, whatever it is, they bring in another ace. The Reds have a two-headed monster with Hunter Green and whoever the other one is. Andrew Abbott, I don't know. And the Reds have two studs that propel this team to an NL Central title, and then suddenly they look really formidable, formidable in a playoff series. Mm. All right. I um. That's interesting to me because I, I've seen the odds on Cy Young. I know that Hunter Green's at forty to one. And, uh, Nick Lodolo and Andrew Abbott are both at one hundred and twenty to one. So nobody's considering the Reds' pitching staff for anything right now. That this Reds' pitching staff has so much potential, and I think that's why there is a group of Reds fans that don't even want them to sign any starting any more starting pitchers, and they 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 think that Nick Martinez should be in the bullpen. I don't agree with those people, but I, I, I know where they're coming from. They see the potential in these young pitchers. The problem is it's all just potential. We don't necessarily sure. know that's going to happen, but this isn't out of the realm of possibility. I, I would love, I'd love to see it. I want to see a year where the reds, and this is not a bold prediction. This is just kind of piggybacking off what you said. Nate. I want to see at least one thirty start guy on this mm-hmm. rotation. 
is it going to be the guy they acquire or is it going to be somebody currently on the roster? I don't care. I just want to lose one of them. Could they bring back Luke Weaver? <laughs> he was eight starts away from 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's the saddest thing in the world is that Luke Weaver in all of his dreams that he was casting got 22 starts last year. <laughs> I'm 22. sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize to everyone out there. Happy holidays. Do I need to take my hat off? Now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chad. What is your final bold prediction for next season? My, excuse me, boldest prediction. The Cincinnati Reds will win 96 games. 96 in 2024. Now, that's pretty bold. Too bold? Some say that. Some I, I heard it on Reddit. Reddit told me that I'm making too bold a prediction. But I'm going to predict the Reds won 96 games. Now, this depends on them getting at least one more starter, but and a thousand other things going correct. But these are bold predictions. 96 games, which I hope will be enough to win the National League Central Division. Now, we do have arguably the most optimistic Reds fan in the Cincinnati area on the show tonight. So Jeff, what do you think about this prediction of 96 wins? I like 96. I think that, you know, in order to do that, you definitely have to acquire another starting pitcher. You probably have to have reasonably good health all year long. 162 games doesn't mean that you're going to be completely healthy all year long. And it's just impossible. But if you can maintain reasonable health throughout the team, I could definitely see that. I mean, Nick Crawls built a very deep roster by adding Jamer Candelario that this lineup can kind of absorb mm -hmm. the loss of one or two guys. I don't want to test that. I don't want to sure. see the Reds have to figure that out, but I think they can. And with that, the health and, and the fact that the NL Central itself has kind of taken a step back, a little bit. I saw something the other day, by the way, I saw something the other day that said that the NL Central is one of the toughest divisions in baseball. Who, who, who's watching baseball? Like, <laughs> I don't know who's, who said that because the Cubs haven't done anything yet. The Brewers are taking a step back. The Cardinals had to add an entirely new starting rotation just to get out of the cellar. The Pirates are at least interesting. So, but they're not like juggernauts or something like that. So no. I, I definitely think this division is up for grabs for the Reds. And I think 96 would do it. I think 96 would win this division. And I think it's, I think it's within their reach. Should they get that extra starting pitcher? I love it. What a fall it'll be. All right, Jeff, you want to round things out here? All right. We got pretty bold so far. We have, we've set the bar high. Bold prediction. Now, I invoked this man's name on Chad's most recent appearance of the Lockdown Reds podcast, um, and I saw his reaction then. And this is not just to get a reaction out of you, Chad. I, I firmly believe that this is a bold prediction that could happen. David Bell will win manager of the year. <laughs> and that was generally the face that you gave me whenever I said my David Bell piece on my last one, but there's something about that's bold <laughs> and, 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 and it's going to come in tandem with Nick crawl winning um, executive of the year because he set up this roster for him. But you mentioned it earlier. This roster is almost David Bell proof because David Bell loves to tinker and David Bell kind of felt like he had to tinker because of the deficiencies of this roster. Now, when he tinkers, he's going to go from strength to strength. Well, we got a lefty on the mound. Oh, all right. Well, we got some pretty good right-handed hitters on this lineup. Oh, we got a righty on the mound. Well, we got a surplus of lefties that either Jake Fraley or Will Benson's not going to start, which I'm guessing it's going to be Jake Fraley in that instance. But I just feel like this roster being as David Bell proof as it is, and the way that he managed the bullpen last year with the starting rotation that just didn't give him any favors whatsoever. I really feel like David Bell could win manager. Of the year. All I will say to that is that if David Bell does, that means the Reds probably won the NL Central. So mm -hmm. I hope you're right. It's tough for me to envision a world where that is because I was talking on the Sports of Strawberry Ice the other day. I said, 
Graham Ashcraft was on there, and he was like, I would run through a wall for that guy. Talking about how much he loved David Bell. That disappointed me. I wanted him to say, like, this guy's bum. We can't stand him. They should get him out of here. It's like if the, if the guys love him, then maybe I should too. It, it's he's so frustrating to watch sometimes, but good vibes only. So David Bell, manager of the year. I love it. Chad, any uh, well-fleshed out David Bell thoughts? I choose not to comment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, gentlemen, that was a pretty good turn through some bull predictions for next year. I had a lot of fun with that, and I hope we have calls to uh, – you know, circle back come late September and celebrate some of these choices and realize that they weren't very bold at all. But before we sign off for the evening, let's get through. We got just a couple quick viewer mail questions. And as always, these are questions from our Patreon community. And you too can join that family by going to patreon.com slash riverfront. we have a great time over there. I would highly encourage anybody to come join for just a couple bucks where we're chatting it up all the time. Reds, basketball, college sports, TV, movies, books. People are talking about betting and trading cards. And Tim Daniel talks about shoes a lot. There's just a lot going on. We're having a good time. All right, first question comes from Joe Farfsing. He says, who had the best Christmas song draft and why was it me? Um, Chad, you were in on that. The guys over at Late Night Reds last Sunday night had a uh, Christmas song draft, seven drafters deep. It was a lot of fun. I uh, Gotta say, I don't think Joe won. Chad, I don't think you won for what it's worth. You had a solid draft. Here's the uh, the picks for anybody that can read really, really quickly and has great eyesight. Our guy Jack Mueller took it home for me. He had Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That was all I needed. Okay, so, so first of all, I had Christmas in Hollis run DMC. Best single pick I, of the draft. I had a... I had uh, the Vince Garaldi trio, a Charlie Brown Christmas song. This is the family show. You shouldn't say words like that. I had um, a song from, uh, you know, a bunch of guys in the 80s who were uh, trying to, you know, raise money for Ethiopian uh, famine victims. <laughs> that was pretty good. How can, how can I not have won this draft? I think the consensus is, that I won. And it, so everyone should go listen to the late night reds, the last show. And if you really believe I didn't win, I will never appear on another episode of the riverfront. <laughs> Please do not give the people what they want. Jeff, any thoughts? What's your favorite, what's your favorite Christmas song yet? I didn't see anybody picking any songs from the August Burns red album, uh, the Sledden Hill. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was, um, uh, I I liked. Uh, I mean, you, you pick Christmas in Hollis. It's hard to pick against you. That's, that's, that's all true. I know. Uh, I will say that thank you. we are we are all winners because no one picked Paul McCartney's "Wonderful Christmas Time." Don't like that song. <laughs> all right. Next question comes from Kyle Kapler. He says, "Will Saint Nick put an ace-shaped present under our trees, or will it be a lump of coal?" Yay, Christmas puns. Kyle, we're we're all sure hoping so. Um, we spent the better part of this episode saying uh, how much exactly we, we hope that comes to fruition. So I'm going to say yes. Wait, Christmas is only like three days after this show comes out. Good vibes only. Yes, we are going to have an ace by Christmas. Let's go. Jeff? I don't necessarily think. I, I'll say this. I don't know if it's by Christmas. I think Nick Crawl is going to get it done. I also would like to thank, take this time to thank the Royals and the Cardinals for taking far less interesting options off the board. Not talking about Sonny Gray. Would love to have Sonny Gray. But Lance Lynn, Michael Waka, mm -hmm. Kyle Gibson. Thanks. You guys have those guys. I wanted somebody better. And uh, we don't have to worry about Nick Crawl being like, well, see, we, we signed yeah. Kyle Gibson. All right. The, the, we got our rotation piece. We don't need to get it anymore. Yeah, we don't have to get gaslit into believing that they they made the move. Whew. Chad, how's Christmas going to look? If, if he's if Nick Carl signs anyone that I'm happy with as a starting pitcher before opening day, I will call him Saint Nick all season long. That's, <laughs> I love it. That's all I can say. No prediction, but that's what all I can say. It might be more realistic to expect 
a beautiful gift for the uh, the Lunar New Year instead of Christmas. All right, our final question comes from Seth Shaner. Seth says, thank you to Chad, Nate, and company. I include you, Jeff, for the hours of entertainment throughout the year. What was one trade that you found yourself wallowing in sadness over through the years? For some reason, I specifically remember being sad the Reds traded Brett Boone to the Braves in the 1998-99 offseason. Seth, thank you. We're going to end this on a happy note. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it was the uh, when the Reds traded away Adam Dunn. I was driving back from a little family get-together and on the interstate, no Ford F-150, and listened to uh, MLB News on the radio, and they broke it. And I swear I got a little misty. I'll never forget that day. Think about it every day, every night. Bring him back. Bring back Adam Dunn, you cowards. He can still mash. He was built for this era. Um yeah. I think, and it's it's so vivid in my mind that it's got to be this one, and as much as I rack my brain and try to pick something else, I can't. Uh, it's whenever they sent Austin Kearns and Felipe Lopez to the Nationals for Gary Majeski, Bill Bray, and Royce Clayton. That was a tough one. I, you know, Bill Bray came, you know, he's, he's a fine relief pitcher. Gary Majeski, you had to use two hands to count his ERA. And I don't even remember anything that Royce Clayton did. So the fact that they got rid of two guys, uh, Austin Kearns, who I loved, and Felipe Lopez, who I actually got the chance. I waited uh, down by the field, and he signed. I was waiting for Willie Mopena, but I got a sign an <laughs> autograph from <laughs> Felipe Lopez. Did you ask Felipe to put Willie Mopena's name on it? <laughs> I tried. He's like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not tall. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I just I I always remember that trade being like, even when I, and, and you know that was a while ago. So I was I was a kid. I was even just like then. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What what, what is this? Who is yeah. this helping? This isn't helping anybody. That was a that was a contender for me too, Chad. Well, you, you both mentioned two that were uh, traumatic for me. The one I had had planned was August 11, two thousand eight, when the Reds traded uh, Dunn to the uh, the Diamondbacks for uh, Mike Owens and uh, and Wilkin Castillo. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch my Nate took my pick. I'm gonna switch up. Sorry. Sorry. My my trade is gonna be uh, August thirty one, two thousand fourteen when the Chicago White Sox traded Adam Dunn to the Oakland Athletics for Nolan Sandburn. I just want to talk about Adam Dunn. Sorry. Adam Dunn is underrated. If we, don't get some, if, we don't, yeah, if we don't get some news soon, then uh, we're just going to do an all-Adam Dunn episode. Just Thank you. Highlights and just just, just behind-the-scenes stories. We'll play the, uh, the banana phone clip on repeat for an hour and a half. Big donkey memories. You're gonna have to have me back on to do that one. I'll wear my Adam yes. Dunn jersey for that. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate y'all hanging out with me for and talking ball for a little bit. Um, hopefully, we get some news and we have reasons to come together and talk again really, really soon. Uh, Jeff, before we get out of here, what else you got going on? Tell the people um, and shout out where they can find you. They can find me on Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it, at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can uh, follow the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube if you want to see our faces while we talk about red stuff with you and, and see all the wonderful comments of all the people that agree with me on the YouTube page. <laughs> and then um, also uh, brand new over at InsideTheReds.com is we got that site up and running, uh, doing a little bit of writing, got my, uh, I, was, I was about to say got my writing chops back, but really it's just, you know, hitting the, the keys on the keyboard again. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy to be doing that. And um, a lot, of, a lot of great stuff coming for you on all platforms there when it comes to Reds content. Love it. They are putting out just fantastic stuff on both of those mediums. Highly encourage you to give them a listen. Um, I'm, I listen to uh, locked on every day. I'll read some of the articles, you know, I'll read all Jeff's. This is Steve often. I don't read all his, but <laughs> Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know about his. It's in Hawaiian. It's hard to read. <laughs> I love it. Jeff, thanks again. Chad, what else you got going on, man? Got some articles for us? 
No, I no, no articles. No, don't don't read any of my content. But uh, but come hang out at the riverfront. You know, we got uh, we got the gang at uh, the riverfront bingle show. Steelers week this week. They're uh, they're uh, digging into that. You know, you can go to our YouTube channel at uh, YouTube.com/slash Riverfront Cincy Late Night Reds. Tim Daniel loves talking about the NBA. We got Riverfront U. It's it's a uh, it's a fun time. It's a fun time over there. So, um, go Riverfront. Yeah, definitely throw a little who day action. Jake Browning trying to lead this team to the playoffs. What a time to be alive. And that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the Riverfront. Please tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your mom's friends and their kids. Please remember to go subscribe to the show either on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And we are on all of those. And once again, a huge, huge, huge shout out to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. We couldn't do it without you, and we'd love for you to join in on the hijinks. So shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Cranchicki and Eli Cash for Jeff Carr and Chad Dotson. And Matt Kemp. This is Nate Dotson saying happy holidays, Ohio.